Welcome to Game Over Montreal. We've got a what? A win? What the? What does that even mean anymore? We don't know. It's uh, the Montreal Canadiens are undefeated in the Kent Hughes era, which is weird, but that's what we're going with. We're going to try to look at the positives in a crazy, crazy game against the Dallas Stars. I got uh, two amazing guests with me tonight, SDPN's Julian McKenzie and Ryan Lambert from all over the place. Uh, just going, the guys? one place at this point, but is it only one? You're not with the uh, EP Ringside anymore. No, that that's the one place I write for. Oh well, oh, you're, you're also you do puck soup. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. He's collecting okay. checks. Yeah, two places. That's all over the place. It's all over two places. All over two places. Some right, people don't have any. This is true. So we were you're chatting before. Kidding. We were chatting before the, the stream started. The last time Ryan was on was possibly the worst game of the year. So this one was a little bit more fun. Absolutely wild. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this one because I think you want to take the positive out of it because this was a fun game and the Canadians haven't had very many fun games in this entire season, frankly. Uh, they had a nice little win there, which is always good. And, uh, you know, a couple of guys showing well for, for the new GM that, uh, you know, I mean, Tyler Toffoli, I think he's just such a difference maker, you know, and the fact that he was able to come into this game and make a difference on the few plays that they actually had in the offensive zone was uh, a massive difference maker. But uh, overall, they kind of got their show ran, uh, not necessarily at even strength, but overall. On special teams, the number that stuck out to me was uh, I purposely didn't look at the shot attempts because Ryan said, don't look at the shot attempts. Yeah, but I looked at the is, expected goals awesome. and the Canadians had 6.13 expected goals against per natural hat trick, which is the highest I have ever seen. So Sam Montembeau it's ridiculous hats off to you. Great performance. Spectacular. Uh, Ryan, uh, do you want to let us know how many shot attempts were there? I really want to know this stat. Yeah, so uh, this is a game that finished, um, you'll remember, in regulation. <laughs> and uh, shot attempts in all situations. Montreal Canadiens, 44. The Dallas Stars, 110. Oh. It went over 100. Oh. I thought it was going to be like 95, 96. No, That's no, insane. no. Oh. I'm I am currently going through box scores uh, dating back to whatever, 2007-08, trying to find games with more than 100 uh, courses in a game. Uh, the highest I've found so far is like depth of the uh, bad Colorado era. Mm. Um, eh, maybe not that deep, but 2016, uh, January 23rd, uh, the Dallas Stars put up 106 on uh, Colorado in regulation. That's the it's always most the Dallas Stars, apparently. Literally, I've I've looked so I've found pew, four pew, games. The stars. I've found five games, including tonight. I found five games uh, in 
the behind the net era, the advanced stats era, uh, with with more one team having more than a hundred shot attempts. Dallas Stars have four of those five games so far. Whoa, <laughs> is that not crazy? Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'm going to keep going. The max I've found right now is 106, but we might have watched history tonight is my point. We might have wow. watched the most shot attempts in uh, in a, uh, a a regular season game um, since 2007. Wait, I have a question. So the, these games with the Dallas Stars, like how far back, uh, just repeat again how far back we're going, because that, not that makes me think like, Four out of those five games involved in the Dallas Stars. Does that mean like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have basically just have been on the ice for all these crazy games? Uh, it's certainly looking that way from everything's like 20 between 2013 and 2015, 2016, something like that. So pretty Tyler, much Tyler Sagan, not on the stars at that point. I don't think maybe yeah no he would have been because that was after they traded uh that was after the Bruins traded him so yeah they traded him right after the cup final loss against Chicago yes correct so that's 2013 and this Mm -hmm. and the one of the games they put up a hundred on oh nope I take it all back I take it all back this is a Carolina Montreal game another game where the Habs gave up more than a hundred uh shot (laughs) attempts uh is 12 31 13 they got out attempted 100 to 45 i wonder if that's the game where the canadians took 11 straight penalties you know 2013 no it wouldn't have been that one because that was back way further back that was like kovalev era yeah that sounds yeah anyway point is i'm like i'm up to the islanders and i've gotten like a couple in the you know 104 range but Oh, no. Okay. Toronto out attempted the Islanders in uh, 2009. 116 to 56. We always find a way to bring it back to the Leafs. It's always about the Leafs. You know what, Ryan? This is honestly, you better write an article about this now. You got to go back. Yeah. I mean, you got to take it now, go through all of these and figure out like how many times has a team put up a hundred plus shot attempts and lost. So I feel like when you're shooting that and much and lost now, Christ, ooh, that is a good, that is right. A good That's pretty it's good. It's a good angle. Yeah. Cause if you're shooting that much, you're probably trailing, right? Yeah. You would think, um, yeah, here's another game with the Rangers where they beat the Leafs. Uh, they, the Leafs out attempted them 104 to 58, uh, a couple of years ago. So yeah, we're, it's recent, uh, that, the, that this happened. This is in the last two, three seasons. So yeah, this is wild. That is extremely fun. 110 shot attempts against <laughs> in regulation, in regulation. That's the other thing. Yeah. That is the sticker. Um, the I was watching uh I was getting a lot of um like uh buffering on the on the Montreal broadcast. I don't know if that was an issue for you guys north of the border, but down here it was. I had and, uh, uh, like so, audio echo. Yeah. Yeah, there was so, like a, there was like a weird point with like the audio kind of slowed down a little bit. It was weird mm-hmm. on the TSN side. I can't speak for anyone who watched that LDS. Uh well anyway, point is I switched to the Dallas uh, broadcast about halfway through the game 
And um, they were saying five different stars hit a post tonight. <laughs> that few of them did hit posts. <laughs> at least five. What it sounds like, and that the might stars not be were shooting that, that flurry at the end. Yeah, hundred and ten times for my what it says here. Um, yeah, that was a wild game. It rocked. Yeah, it no, was man, like extremely entertaining. Yeah, like. I, I, I think there's a chance you could make an argument that this might have been the most entertaining Canadians game of the season. There's a chance you could say it. I there's know not a lot of competition. <laughs> there's like maybe like two other games. They've this is like their eighth win of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's not too many other games that you could probably think of that. But like, yeah, I mean. The Canadians got off to a good start. They had that 2-0 lead. They managed to restore a two-goal advantage when Dallas looked to cut into their advantage when they made it 2-1. And guys like Christian Dvorak were producing. You mentioned Tyler Toffoli off top. He was able to do well. Uh, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, who would have thought that it took uh, the Canadians hiring a new general manager for them to all get energized? Remember, this is a team that lost to Arizona the other night. And they woke up and they said, hey, we're not going to do another dud like what we did the other night yeah and we will talk about kent hughes on the show a little bit later we're gonna dig into that a little bit uh i want to talk about the game a little bit first and obviously if you were watching me and julian you know that uh, later on this week we're gonna be on the hio show talk in depth about kent hughes and where the canadians are going here but uh just because he's doing my work for me a little bit here tyler Toffoli had a quote after the game he says this is from eric angles friend of the show I want to be part of the solution. I want to be a guy who's a leader who's looked up to, says Tyler Toffoli. So he's only got a couple of years left on his contract, which is a fantastic contract, arguably the best contract on the Canadians. I think this year he has been overall their best player. But the thing is, is Tyler Toffoli too valuable of an asset to keep through a rebuild? Because you know he's not going to be around for when they come out the other side, right? Like that... I feel like he adds a lot of value as a leader, as a guy who can help guide the next generation, but I don't know if they can afford to keep him. Uh, this is this is a rebuild uh, that the Canadians should be... If you don't have a no-trade clause, you are getting traded. Like, if you have any value at all, I'm talking seventh-round pick. See you later. You know, like... It, it's a really tough situation, and I just wrote about this uh, today in in talking about the um, the the new GM uh, is Kent Hughes like has to not only think about okay how do I get all these contracts off the books how do I you know the the Canadians this year cost like ninety five million dollars against the cap once you factor in <laughs> they're like, like the highest crazy. Highest yeah. salaried team. There is no more expensive team. team in the league, and they are the worst team in the league, right? So, and there are a million different reasons for that. Every, we, I don't have to explain it to anybody. But the thing is, like, he not only Kent Hughes not only has to figure out how do I get all these guys off them uh, off the books for like a max return, he also has to um, think about. What has the organization done so wrong over the last three, four, five years to get to this point? You know what I mean? Like, yep. How many guys have they not developed as effectively as they should have? You know, 
uh, he has to look at that from the ground up. How how have they uh, lost so many trades in recent years? He has to look at that from the ground up. And, you know, I, I think as a player agent, you probably have a pretty good sense of what guys are worth in a way that maybe a guy who's just been in a front office for 15 years or whatever um, does or how, how that guy kind of a guy sees a team or an individual player or whatever. But, you know, I, I just look at this and I say, literally call me for every single player we have under contract. I will take that call. I, I think Ryan makes great sense. And I think that in almost any other market, you could think, okay, obviously with the team as is, you have to make these changes and everyone must go. But one thing that has been on my mind all day, pretty much since the uh, the announcement of Ken Hughes as GM, is just the very first thing he has to do is establish the fact that there's going to be a rebuild or at the very least establish what plan is going to be in place. Remember, this organization went through reset after reset with Mark Bergevin. They tried very hard to not use the word rebuild. Jeff Molson uh, in his last press conference, he didn't use that word. He said the organization wouldn't be afraid to use it, but they never outright said it. Jeff Gorton never said rebuild in his press conference. Everyone is going to be looking tomorrow on Wednesday to see if the Montreal Canadiens, if Kent Hughes is willing to lay out his plan for the future, if that's something that they're going to do. If this team thinks that, one, the contracts that are there, like you just think internally, man, these are just contracts we just can't get rid of we're just gonna have to find a way to make this work or they just genuinely think they have guys like josh anderson and tyler tofoli who who wanted to be around this team to win they think there's still enough to keep what's stopping ken hughes from going up and being like you know what we need to just reshuffle the deck with a few pieces and if it weren't for covid and if it weren't for injuries this is a team that could compete and i know ryan's looking all bewildered hey i'm with you i think the canadians should restack the deck and I really yeah. think they should go. I really think they should clean house and they should try to get as much as they can. But I am what, but like until we, until they outright say we're going to rebuild this team and Jeff Gordon, we all know he knows a thing or two about that. A lot of people are going to wonder if they could do that. And you could make the argument that with guys like Tyler Toffoli, especially him coming out straight up saying like, Hey, like I see myself as part of the solution. And I also think there's an argument to be made like, yeah, he could be. I think if the Canadians lose out on a guy like him, like I get it, he could be too valuable, but he does score goals and the Canadians need guys who score goals. Like there's arguments to be made for that other side too, but I I, I think they need to rebuild the team. And, and the most important thing for Wednesday for that press conference, they have to let everyone know they're rebuilding for the sake of just the fans knowing that they're not just watching a team that's, you know, trying to compete and win when they know the team is as crap as they are but also just a sense that they could turn the page on this era of the Canadians and look forward to the future. But Ryan's right. Like they, I, I try to just sell high on anybody that anyone's willing to take. Yeah. I think the whole situation with Kent Hughes, I don't think he would have been hired if his plan was like, well, we'll just be back at it next year and we'll be just as good right. as the year before. Absolutely where we true. Only made the playoffs because of COVID, you know, like I just, I fully believe that that era of just hoping to make the playoffs and maybe Carey Price will carry us to a cup is over because, frankly, like Price isn't playing. I think the writing's on the wall that if he gets back to that level, it's not going to be for a very long time. 
he's the same age as I am, which is turning 35 in a month, you know? So like, it's way to plug your birthday, I guess. No, I know. Right. To, to the date, to the date, February 18th. Wish me well on that day. I'll be covering Olympic stuff. I guess that's a sure bit sounds like you want like gifts and stuff. Oh, no. whoa, whoa, whoa. Olympic Ooh. stuff. Ooh. Olympic, Olympic stuff. stuff. Well, well, wait well. a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I didn't I don't know about this. You don't know. You Yes, you do. <laughs> don't waking don't up. Don't be I'm trying, to, I'm trying to show some showmanship <laughs> and sell this thing. Jeez. <laughs> Play along. There there will be more details to come. I will save it for uh, the, the boys at SDPN to to announce. But uh, there will be some interesting things going on on this channel around the time of the Olympics. But yeah, I there's I think... another announcement coming tomorrow, too. I think. Yes, but... I think there is. Yeah, there's tons anyway, of announcements, I've, I've, but I've, I've said too much. I know I already got uh, Adam mad at Steve earlier this week because Steve told me something he wasn't supposed to. But uh, I digress. I won't uh, dig Steve in even further. Um, the whole situation with uh, with Hughes coming in, obviously, like a rebuild is going to happen. I'm fully on board with that. But there was a comment here on the stream chat that I wanted to just shout out a little bit from musicality saying uh, I was all on board the trade to fully train earlier this season, but now I wonder about the importance of keeping to for his leadership and his desire to be a hab. We have too few players who care. And I'm, I feel that because you watch how this season has gone. And there are a lot of guys on that team, <clears throat> Mike Hoffman, who don't give a fuck. <laughs> like they don't care. And listen, I'm being harsh, but he does not care. Great defensive play in this game, late in the game, notwithstanding. For the most part of the season, he has not given a crap. So having a guy who actually wants to be there, who signed in free agency, I think that there is like some political aspects to it. That you don't want to just throw that guy away when they chose to be here. It's There's like something to that and like carrying something through to the next uh building blocks you know like you can't just throw away everyone i mean like every rebuilding team that throws away all their vets gets stuck in the rebuild you have to have somebody to help them learn the nhl game so i, I feel like it's guys like the foley like lekanen that are the ones that you want to keep around even if they well, might end up netting you a first round pick in a trade it's like it, unless it's a 2023 first round pick is it the best well, I, I think the, the counter argument to that is like, yeah, I mean, you, you want guys around so you don't get like absolutely humiliated every night. Like, you know, like if you do what the Coyotes are doing right now, and I know they just beat the Canadians, so like I get it. But like what they're doing, they're like, by the way, our top line center tonight for the 83rd game in a row is Jay Beagle. Um, like that's <laughs> you can't, you can't, like the Canadians, nobody should want to do like that's even me as a guy who's like, if you're not in the top eight in the league, you should be blowing it up. Like, I think that's maybe a bridge too far, but with that having been said, um, you know, like the, the thing you said about like, oh, you got to have some veterans here, show the guys how to play in the NHL. Yeah, and what you do is you call up the Minnesota Wild and you say, who's a guy who's like 33 and kind of sucks that you want to <laughs> get rid of? We'll take him for that extra second-round pick or whatever. He'll be the Jay Beagle of this team. 
but yeah, they just need like, to be a good ter- a good guy, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like a, a a perfect example of this, I think, is like a Milan Lucic type. Say what you want about Milan Lucic's game, and Lord knows I have. Uh, you know, if you if you get guys who give a shit as much as Milan Lucic definitely gives a shit every night, like that helps, I think, more than just having a guy who, you know, again, like you're giving up a Tyler to Foley's value, right? In exchange for, for what I'm not sure what, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a good player, but like, good, you know, what's Claude Giroux going to get you for, for one year or yeah, not even I, half a season at this point, less yeah. than that at the, by the deadline. He's going to get your first round pick, right? For sure. Now what now Tyler Toffoli when he's healthy is ha- is just as good as Claude Giroux, I would say. And you know, uh you don't even have to get into the whole thing of like, you know, Claude Giroux is a center and and Toffoli's a winger. Claude Giroux is not a center anymore, folks. This is true. Uh and and so you're like, what if we could give you a guy who is Claude Giroux but younger? And signed uh, for two seasons after this one at four and a quarter million dollars. Yeah, extraordinarily that reasonable. That's a really would good it, value. Yeah, this so a guy would that be worth a first round pick and maybe a decent prospect and maybe another pick at the end of that? Or, you know, if Montreal takes bad money in addition to uh, offload, you know, we can we can work all that out. But the point is, like, the amount of value a guy like Toffoli in particular has, like th- this is this isn't Mike Hoffman, who by the way is signed for two more seasons after this one. Oof. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. like that was a big whiff. Yeah, Eef. like the the difference in value there is massive. I feel like so the idea that you're going to keep Toffoli. Just because, like, he's leadershipy, you can you can sign leadershipy guys for nothing in in the off season. And the other thing is, if you keep guys around specific or acquire them even specifically because they're leaders, then you end up with Duncan Keith, folks. And that's <laughs> he's done a great job. In it, <laughs> can I throw something else out there that uh, about Toffoli want essentially want to be part of the solution? Uh, and I don't know how much this has on bearing for the Canadians if they, again, fully embark on the rebuild and what they plan on doing with getting bodies up here. I, I hate to bring up the C word here, people, but we are still in COVID times. We are still in a position where in Canada, at least, we have the regulations that we have. And in America, they are very different. And a lot of people like being in America with the looser restrictions compared to what you're experiencing in other Canadian provinces. And if these things continue into next year and the year after or whatever, however long we're going to deal with COVID, can you imagine being a free agent or someone wanting to be traded or, and some Canadian team comes up and you have the power to say no to a Canadian team trying to get you. And because simply, simply put, you do not want to be in a position where you have to deal with COVID as opposed to being in a state like, I don't know, Florida or whatever. Tyler Toffoli could eat his, has played in California before in Montreal. Now we all know what it's like. I mean, we, we just got out of a second curfew in oh, this God. province in Quebec. Oh God. 
And Tyler Toffoli, I mean, he's probably thinking of the team here. But if you really sit down and think about it, dude is also saying like, hey, I'm totally cool with being up in, in Montreal as we continue to navigate through COVID and as we continue to navigate through whatever's going on here. If and I know for and I, I bring up the fact that it's not it might not matter that much considering the fact that they're not looking they might not look to compete right away, but in terms of getting bodies on this team, like it might be pretty difficult if you're trying to at least get someone who could be a part of the future for the Montreal Canadiens and free agency, someone who could at least help the rebuild or accelerate the process. And they might be like, eh, I don't know. I am not sure about playing in Canada over the next few years with this COVID thing. So to hear Tyler Toffoli. Again, it's entirely possible. You didn't even think about this, but it's something that's quite interesting for, for I think, for me to hear in light of everything that's going on. And I could also understand, he, you know, what else would he say? Or he could have easily been neutral too. But I, And I don't have the full quote in front of me, but it does sound like someone who wants to be a part of the solution with the Montreal Canadiens. And considering the times that we're in right now, you have to think about it more than just what's going on on the ice. You have to think about the way you're living life off the ice as well. Yeah, uh, I'll, let's put it this way with Toffoli and then we'll move on. What is the like lowest bar of return that should be acceptable before you decide like maybe it's not worth trading him right now? Like if say if the Canadians say like, OK, Tyler Toffoli is available at this year's trade deadline. If somebody's offering up a 2023 first round pick, I'm like, OK, bye. <laughs> but if it's a depends 2022 on the team, eh. depends on the team. If Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay is offering you that 2023 first round pick, are you taking it? I don't know, man. Anything can happen in a year from now. I feel like any time that you're trading a year away, you I it, I'm surprised teams don't try to do it more because I know like the way that teams value picks, usually they value the current year more than the, the year on. But if you're a tanking team and you're dealing with playoff teams, it makes way more sense to take a gamble on the following year when that team could fall apart a little bit. I mean, look what happens to the Canadians every couple of years. Like, if you can deal well, with a team yeah. that isn't a rock solid team that is trying to get into the playoffs or is like trying to make a one year competitive run, like if you can get a first round pick in 2023 from the Edmonton Oilers, do that. Ooh, that's that a different nice. situation. That's a different situation. Like Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, yes, they've they've they went through the 2019 year where they were one and done. But like, that's a team that I don't expect them. Then again, you know what I say? I don't expect them to go through some momentous collapse. Watch them just fall off a cliff in 2023, and I'm proven wrong. Well, the th- the thing with the Lightning in particular, and this is totally off topic at this point, but the thing with the Lightning in particular is. Look at what they've done this year when Vasilevsky's out of the lineup. They are one major injury to Vasilevsky. Obviously, they're they're like safe in a in a playoff position this year and all that kind of stuff. But they're one major industry injury away uh, from like really. They're gonna have to. They're gonna join the Edmonton. We need to trade for a goalie market. Like. Uh, you know, and and look, like Vasilevsky's what, like 26, 27 years old. He's not an old guy, but, you know, ha- have, let's put it this way. Let, yeah, have notable young uh, Tampa Bay Lightning guys uh, gotten seriously injured before? Well, let's ask Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point. Like, they seem to get a lot of injuries down there. Why would Andre Vasilevsky be any different? I don't know. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, at least in the case of some of those guys you mentioned, like their forward core is so deep that, yes. okay, if Nikita Kucherov can't play, 
everyone else can pick up the slack. Defense, yes. a little bit of a different story. I mean, defense, even there, you can still do it. Uh, goalie, if the Tampa Bay Lightning find themselves without yeah. Andre Vasilevsky going forward. Bye-bye. Like Brian, like Brian Elliott's there. Are, are the Tampa Bay Lightning ready to go on with Brian Elliott? I can be, I, I think he's still there as their backup. He is. You are correct about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm not trying to think like who's their only other, like, do they even have another goalie? Like, like eventually like when you win t- that long, you the, will have some organizational weaknesses that pop up and things can go wrong at any time. I mean, we saw they, are, they weren't on the same uh, like level as the Lightning, but you look back at like the 2015 16 Montreal Canadiens. And they started oh, that season, I, I think it was history. like nine and one. Yeah. And then Carey Price blew out his knee, I think. And yeah, was that think when was he stepped knee. on the puck in, in warm-ups yes. or whatever? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he came back early and the Canadians were like, no, no, he's fine. He's fine. And you watch him and like every time he pushed off that knee, it just completely collapsed. Played three games and then was out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And they went on an absolute historic run of crap. Where, where like Mike Condon was the guy the whole way through. It actually Ooh, showed up in boy. like my Facebook memories yesterday or no today. Did he played Winter Classic. They played the Winter yes. Classic. Yes, he played the right? Winter Classic. Like, yeah. the Bruins, and I think they just got. <laughs> I was at that Winter Classic. Did, wow. did they Damn. win that one? I think that was like the one. They did. It was like a five-one game or something like that. Blew them out of the yeah, water. Yeah, it was like the one little bit of hope that they had the whole year, and it was a nice little moment for Mike Condon, who was a those Boston jerseys look great too. Ooh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Oh man, bring those they back. Did. I yeah. actually, how about this? I have a Yupi. Let's put this up to the camera here. From, oh, whoa. From nice. That, from that Winter Classic, because I That's dope. love the Montreal Expos. That's right. You are a big Expos guy. That's right. Well, not not currently. Well, I mean, not anymore. I mean, no. They don't exist. No one but... really is currently. Yeah, that's right. Well, there's, some, yeah. there's some people who continue to carry the torch every day in Montreal. Those, uh... Plenty. Those Habs jerseys, all-time greats as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they are fantastic. Okay, so I I threw out a, a thing earlier on Twitter that I'm going to bring up. Just like a question of the day of what people wanted to see uh, Kent Hughes do, like his first move, essentially, as general manager. Draft his son first overall. <laughs> <laughs> move one. Montreal Canadiens have Jack Hughes. <laughs> He's pretty good. I've seen him play a bunch of times this year. He's good. His his kid, uh, Kent yeah. Hughes's kid, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. what's his name? It's like Ridley or something, was it? No, it's Jack. It's Jack. It's Jack Hughes. He has another Jack. There's another Jack Hughes. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's Jack Hughes. It's I think his other son's name is Riley, but I might be Riley. wrong about that. One yeah, it's Riley. A classic, yeah. a classic, twenty uh, one year old white guy name. <laughs> <laughs> right, and he's already Someone made drafted, the point. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pick. Yeah, yeah Jeff fan. Gordon picked him. Jeff Gordon picked that's him. That's right. That's yeah. funny. Jeez, these guys. I think that's hilarious. Thieves. Yo, you know, man, we should, have of... seen, we should have seen this coming, by the way. I realized that this way. whole, we should have seen this coming, that Kent Hughes was the guy that Jeff Gordon wanted all along. Like, even when Jeff Gordon was introduced to the media, like, I don't remember the line verbatim, but one of the things he said was that, like, he wanted, he'd be open to having perspectives from like different people, even people who were agents. Like he mentioned the word agent and people thought like, hmm, why would he mention agent? And then Kent Hughes's name was kind of lumped into the discussion he for potential GM. Everybody thought they were talking about uh, Ethan Hunt. <laughs> mission impossible. Yeah, the impossible <laughs> mission force. Jerry Maguire. Oh my God. 
but yeah, it's with like, Tom it's Cruise just, and playing it, different kinds of Asians. Oh, Jack wow. Reacher, a class, another <laughs> classic one. This is true, right? You wow. know, my wife hates that Tom Cruise is Jack Reacher because he's a short uh, Jack, brunette. Yeah, he's Jack supposed Reacher's to be a tall blonde. Seven feet tall or whatever. Yeah, yeah it makes that's no sense. complaint everybody has. But you know what? You watch that first movie, Rutger Hauer, guy missing fingers or whatever, being very creepy. That's a that's like a, a really solid B plus middle aughts action movie. That, that movie is very, very good. It's true. It's um, not bad. For what it is. And... It gave us the Chris McQuarrie, uh, Tom Cruise connection that has made the last two Mission Impossible movies, which are perfecto. They are fantastic action movies. Uh, so Eight I wanted to read a couple out, of seven these. coming out this summer. So mm-hmm. well, that's right. That that, uh, that led to that epic Tom Cruise rant where I was like, this is the first time I've ever liked Tom Cruise. I liked him in the Mission Impossible movies. Yes, I mean, I mean, on a personal <laughs> level, because he's a goddamn weirdo. <laughs> I like that's really good timing. Top I like that joke. <laughs> Top yeah. Gun, yeah, yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, so I wanted to read a couple of these out just because uh, I want to give some people their flowers. Uh, Noah Bashir, who's on the show once in a while, who's fantastic, says like the first thing she wants them to do is build up their player development department, essentially. Uh, saying, like, why aren't they as into it as the Leafs are? Because they have yeah. the money. I, I think that's something that uh, you could probably rest easy on because everybody that I've talked to about Kent Hughes says that he is, like, very deep into player development. And that's, like, people saying, like, he's one of the best player development agents. It's, like, his focus. So it appears that that's going to be a focus with the Canadians as well. Let me let me ask you this though. Does it concern you at all that he's coming into an organization that has historically, let's say, struggled to uh, have their high-end picks live up to uh, expectations? And he is now under a guy who just uh, came from the New York Rangers, a team that in recent years has really struggled to have high-end picks live up to the talent and expectations that everybody has. Like this, I'm I'm not joking. That yep. would be to me like your Leah Andersons, your um, your your Kalikratsovs, Kapokako. Like you can go down the list, guys that the Rangers picked, hot, like top ten picks from the Rangers that have been like you would expect a top ten pick to be in since Jeff Gordon took over the Rangers. It's not so good, folks. Do you put Alexi Lafreniere in that category too? I wouldn't yet. I mean, did I mean it's early for Kako like too? Drafted, it sure it is, and like all these guys are like tw- under twenty three years old or whatever. But the yeah. point is, like when you pick a guy first or second overall, you're saying this guy is going to be in the NHL maximum one year from today. Yeah, you know, and and you're saying, and not only that, he's probably going to be pretty good by the time he's 21, 22 years old. And again, the Rangers like gave up on Leah Sanders. Well, I think he asked to be traded or something like that. But the the point being, this is a, this would be a little bit of an area of concern for me if I was a a Canadians fan, because yeah, because the guy's overseeing everything who's even above Kent Hughes. 
he doesn't have the best track record with this. And obviously, again, the Canadians don't either. And so this would be an area of focus for me. I would be like, we need to hire 800 scouts. <laughs> 800 scouts. We need, we well, need guys at every USHL game. We need one guy at every single college hockey game all year. That's it. We need to be sure. What about the counterpoint with Jeff Gordon that, okay, maybe his picks didn't work out in the Rangers, but the Boston Bruins are still reaping the benefits of of his work because he like ran the draft that in 06 that got them like, like Phil Kessel, Marshawn, Lucic. He got a whole bunch of those guys. He got Chara in that organization. Like he he was a big reason why the Bruins were the Bruins. And in the 2010s, that was 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, that's also very true. But and he some of those guys are still around winning. Yeah, yeah was, of course. Of course. No, nobody's saying look, nobody's saying anything bad about Brad Marshand when I'm around. I, I think he's I will. incredible. No, you won't. I won't <laughs> I, I simply won't allow it. I um, won't say it about no, his hockey like, playing acumen, but I'll say bad things about Brad. Got too his, posting, too. his posting is very high quality. You can't you can't say oh, Brad he's Marchand an amazing shit poster on Twitter. So there you go. Five tool player. Five to play. He is fantastic, and he's flat out aged like a fine wine. As much as it pains me to yeah. say, he is the most incredible thirty-plus-year-old compared to what they did in their twenties that I've seen in mm-hmm. recent memory. It's ridiculous. Unreal. But speaking of Boston Bruins connections, let's let's dig in on something else that I kind of like floated mostly as a joke today. Kent Hughes is Patrice Bergeron's agent, or was yes. before today. Patrice Bergeron's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Uh, he also Patrice Bergeron also has connections with Gorton, and he was uh, billeted, I believe, by Martin Lapointe, who's also in the Montreal Canadiens organization. How funny would it be to see Patrice Bergeron end up in Canadiens jersey in a rebuild to mentor like Shane Wright, say they win the lottery or whatever, when Boston he could just not be involved in a crappy house. Are team? You kidding me. Are you kidding? Boston sports fans would blow his house up. Oh, I know. It would be hilarious. Can I I read it? Can I read a text from somebody? I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but they. This is a text from Patrice Bergeron, folks. Just. (laughs) This is just a text uh, from someone. uh, I'm not going to say who they are, but they just randomly texted me. Why on earth does anyone think Patrice Bergeron would want to join a last place team at the age of 37? There is little, zero effing chance of that happening, no matter who his agent is or was. Because Uh, the other thing is, the other thing is, Patrice Bergeron grew up hating the Montreal Canadiens because he was a Quebec Nordiques fan. I hear a lot of people talk about that, but the Nordiques stopped existing when he was 10 years old. And almost every Nords fan that I know pretty quickly made the transition to be a Montreal Canadiens fan. Now, I've heard that he said at the draft, when he was drafted by Boston, that he switched to the Bruins. But that was after he was drafted by the Boston Bruins. So, like, look, mm, uh, sure, but also, uh, you know, then he... Then he played for whatever, like twenty years in Boston, <laughs> right? <true>. So, but <laughs> here's here's something that the Canadians could do because, like, provided that they move out an absolute ton of salary this year at the deadline and at the draft, because they're gonna try to accumulate as much as they can, they could turn around and just be like, "Hey, Patrice, here's a two year contract, max money." Because it doesn't matter if we spend to the cap or the Montreal Canadiens. We're rebuilding. It does like money doesn't actually matter. 
No, in this I don't scenario. think that makes sense. I don't think and it, personally. Just line your pockets. You've won. You don't need to be in Boston anymore. The window. I don't closing. know if the if the Canadians are going to throw out money at a former Kent Hughes uh, client, why not throw that money out at Chris Latton? Darnell Nurse. They, oh. <laughs> Dar- <laughs> Dar- Darnell Nurse is already locked up, but like they need yeah, like the Canadians. Like the Canadians as they are right now, I mean, you could tell me wrong. Their worst, their most glaring worst part of their team is their defense. The defense is terrible. They cannot help in transition offensively. They cannot distribute the puck to their forwards when they need to. And more often than not, we're seeing those goals go in in that off in that defensive zone. Remember that game against the Arizona Coyotes? The Coyotes, the team that a team the that game from yesterday. <laughs> The game from yesterday, where they are considered to be the worst team in the NHL. We have Coyotes guys freewheeling in the offensive zone while David Savard and Ben Sherratt are hugging up on dudes near the net and just letting these guys go in. The defense is terrible. Chris Letang would Chris Letang or Chris Letang, if you're French and you pronounce it that way, uh, would make the defense better. That being said, he's going to want a ton of money. Uh, but that makes more sense to me than signing Patrice Bergeron at the age of 37. Not to say that. But go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was gonna. What makes even more sense is uh, not signing anybody good for like four years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that's what they should do. That's honestly yes. what they should do. They shouldn't do either of them. But I'm, but if to Andrew's logic, if they're going to throw out money at, if they have to throw out money at one of those guys, they might as well do it at a guy who's younger can actually still help out on the back end and in a position of need. It might be able to tutor some of those younger defensemen, like a guy like Alexander Romanov or, or Jordan Harris, who I think plays at Northeastern, the same school that uh, yes, he does. Jack James Hughes Shrubel as well. And James yeah. Shrubel as well. Why not have him there mentoring some of those young guys? That makes more sense to me. I mean, not to say that Patrice Bergeron on the Montreal Canadiens in some way. It, 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 I mean, I don't think it makes sense, but. You could make an argument that it might make sense, but I don't think it does. But like, I, I think if you're going to do it, you might as well get Latang. Or let's go, I think it makes sense purely on a making Boston poop their little diapers. Well, you're just being jerk shy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, I the am. Other, the other thing to say about that is, uh, it would, you know, like, uh, do you, I don't know if you remember this, but like Johnny Damon famously went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Like I remember the that in the shaved his facial hair and everything. Yeah, and and cut cut his cut his flowing uh, his flowing mane and all that kind of stuff. His Jesus that, locks. That's right, and everybody was like. Yeah, I guess we don't give a shit about that guy. <laughs> like it wasn't even they were it wasn't even that people here were mad necessarily. They were mad obviously, but they were just more like fucking have fun, I guess. Who gives a shit? Whatever. Yeah, they called him they, Judas. They called him Judas, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. And, but like Oh, come on. That's the, not the ex- just like nothing. Getting called Judas is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> what? I I come think on, players bro. honestly care about that a lot less than fans. Of course do. they do. Because like, percent. I had a chance to interview John Leclerc earlier this year for a betting yeah. site that I do some work for, and I asked him about like at the end of his career. Basically, he went for he was the the prototypical Philadelphia Flyer, right? Like he was the guy. It was like him and Eric Lindros, and then. He goes and signs in Pittsburgh as a free agent after he gets bought out. And I was like, did uh, people get on you for that? And he was like, mm, I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> he just doesn't care. Didn't give a crap. He was like, yeah, it was a very different feeling going from 
Philadelphia and winning than going to Pittsburgh. And we thought that team was going to be good. And we weren't. All right. I also from a different time. You know, from a different time, he didn't have to check Twitter and see that fans were going to dump on him for going to an in-state rival or anything like that. But now if a guy does that, like, we people like I, I was talking about this with my good buddy uh Tic Tac Tomar earlier today. Like people who say, like, oh, you know, I don't read the papers, I don't check internet, whatever. There are a lot of people who do. They're lying to you if they tell you that they don't. And in this day and age, ready. wow, okay. I didn't say that. You look when he Alan reads Walsh everything. Comes, when Alan Walsh comes calling to you, <laughs> don't call me. I'm uh, not criticizing, yeah, like, he just he reads everything. They do that, but like players will care about that stuff on social media now. And I have a hard time believing that if they were to make a decision like that, they wouldn't at least like acknowledge people getting pissed about that sort of thing. All right. I have pulled up a list of Kent Hughes's now former clients and let's go down the list and let's let's do it. Let's look at should the Montreal Canadiens acquire this man, whether by trade or by <laughs> signing him in the offseason? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We already said Chris Letang and Patrice Bergeron. I also mentioned Darnell Nurse. You did. Next up, in terms of AAV, is the Ottawa Senators' Drake Batherson. Montreal Canadiens should get this man. I, I don't think he's all-star. moving. He's not moving. No, of course but, like, he's not moving. None of these guys are fucking moving. <laughs> But if the Senators offered him up, that's a young guy. That's a guy. Who yeah, he's, he's, a, he's to... a good player. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah he's, and he's, he's on a decent contract too. Like that's like if the Canadian, if the Senators offered him up, depending on the deal. I mean, not saying that they would do there, this, but like, yeah, easily. I would say not even depending on the deal. If they call and they say we want whatever, you go, yeah, okay, that works for me. Yeah, drink bath. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, next up, Mike Matheson. Now this is a guy who uh, might be available. Let's put it that way. Uh, also a West Island guy. And very, and very, uh, <laughs> very expensive. He's like six million? million more than that. Five, a or little six? under five, a little under five. Okay. So, I used to, I used right. to work with Mike's brother and he's a good dude. And it seems like Mike's a good dude too, but no. <laughs> yeah, of course. There you go. Uh, Colin not. White, another Boston college man, Colin White, Mike Matheson also went to BC. I'm going to say uh, no also. <laughs> he, yeah. he has not worked out very well at all. Has a Scotia yeah. expensive. I, I would take him for maybe a million bucks less, but $4.75 million for Colin White, that's too mm-hmm. much money. Mm-hmm. Anthony nope. Beauvillier yes. signed three years, uh, $4.15 million. I would yes. absolutely yes. go after Beauvillier. Yeah, I would. Player. Nice, nice absolutely. little player. Good player, skilled player. Has also played in the postseason. Has come up in big moments. You take him. Anton Hudobin. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no shit. No. No. He was I, on waivers for free and nobody wanted him this year. Yeah. And he's, a, frankly, he's not that expensive. Three, three and a third million dollars. But signed through next season. He's cooked. He's done. Uh, hey, do you think the Montreal Canadiens would like to get back their old friend, Marco Scandella? I mean, if they were like, I don't know, he's a decent third pair guy. Three, but they don't yeah. need him, Two, right? Seven, five million dollars for Two Marco Scandella. It's not and the worst deal. It's a terrible deal, Marco Scandella. Let's put it this okay, way: it's have David Savard. That's a worse deal. <laughs> the Blues are connected to 
half the defensemen in the league because they want to get Marco Scandella out of their lineup. <laughs> That's he's bad. He's not good anymore. Okay, maybe uh, he's fallen off a bit since the last time I looked at him. Sergio Vesso's nephew, I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 He is. So. He is. Next up, Zemgis Giergensen's. I'm going to pass. Still in the NHL. Can you believe it? Yeah, uh, I was, was going to say, say is he still playing? <laughs> he still is. the league. How old is he? Ooh, Zemgis has to be pushing 30, right? He was the yeah. same draft year as Galchenyuk, He just turned 28. He? he just turned 28. Ooh, okay. No. no it, it should be a no. That's correct. Uh, Sammy Blay from the Nye Rangers. Sammy Blay. On an injured with an ACL injury, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, Subban took him out for the year with Lasso foot. Yeah, That's right. It yeah. was for the year. Well, yeah, yeah. well, I I think it was an accident. I don't think it was a. I wasn't conclusive. If yes, that that's the one that I think foot. was a legitimate. That's accident. the one that I think. Yeah, that was a legitimate accident. I think most but, of them uh, were not. <laughs> but also, a guy who was flipped to New York in exchange for Pavel Buchnevich. Incredible! Oh, what a. What a stupid trade that was. I don't know why you Unbelievable. justify that move. That's why. Unbelievable. Uh, the crazy thing is, me. like, yeah, apparently Mark Bergevin was trying to trade Arturi Lekkanen last year for Sammy Blaze. And it's like, how do you... Like, I really like Lekkanen as a player. I think he's a really good utility player. But how do you go from Lekkanen to Bucinevich? Like, how does that... How does Blaze's value go up that much? Uh, he did hitting in the playoffs a couple of times. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. And, uh, NHL and, GMs. And the, this is why the when everyone's are all about hitting. Yeah. This is why when everyone's saying it's like, oh, the Canadians have a lot of players with term. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this That's is why true. when people say like, oh, the Canadians have lots of players with term and like, you can't move these guys. If the GM and Gorton are good and smart, which they might be, we don't, we have conclusive evidence either way yet. You can absolutely move guys. Lou Lamorello moved Dion Phaneuf with five years left at seven mil per and got a second round pick back. Yeah, he sure did. Like you want to talk about incredible GM moves. That's so they could move Brendan Gallagher if they wanted. Oh, I think there'd be a line of teams to trade for Brendan Gallagher. I don't think that'd be an issue. I think it, uh, it might be a mistake midway through that contract, but I think there'd be a lineup of teams. What about this? Next on the list is William Carrier. I think like uh, fourth depth, line flyer, depth. maybe. Yeah. yeah, he's signed for a few years yet. I think he's got like two more after this one. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Nick Paul. Nick Paul. He's having a good year. Isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's supposed to be another one. I feel like the problem he's with player. a lot of those sends is like if you remove them from the sends, are they good? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I'm sure Nick Paul is getting like three and a half power play minutes a night. Exactly. Exactly. Lack of other option. Uh, Nathan Bolia is up next. No, yeah. Been there, done that. Okay. Pass. Uh, Nicola Obey Cubell from the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I don't know much about him. He was in Philly before he went to Colorado. He was a flyer once upon a time. Yeah. I don't know his stats offhand. I I wouldn't say no right away. I don't think he's supposed he's, to could be a good middle of the lineup guy. He he's a on the Colorado Avalanche so far this year. Obviously, stats isn't everything or whatever. But uh, twelve points, 
Goals for percentage, 68.2. Whoa. I mean, rising tide lifts all boats in Colorado, but that's not a bad uh, yeah, season Yeah, no, for like, him. again, as a depth guy uh, and, you know, uh, a, shade, a shade above even in core season, all that kind of stuff, he, he can play a little bit. That's he, that's the kind of player I, I think uh, a lot of teams would do well to try to acquire, but I kind of get the feeling you're not going to get Colorado to sell this year. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think Colorado makes many mistakes either. They seem to value guys appropriately. Uh, One of the other consistent things that were put out uh, there uh, in the answer to the question was sell Ben Sherratt now before he gets injured, and I could not agree more. Yep, that's true. With the way this season has gone for the Canadians, like they cannot risk waiting for the deadline for him. Mm-mm. No, for sure not. No. It just doesn't. No, he's he's he. It, we're talking about what a guy like Tyler Toffoli could fetch. Ben Sherrod has been on the hot stove for months now, and people yeah, and keep, everyone's keep saying first round pick, first and, round pick, or nothing else. Yeah, and like the thing with him is, you want to get that not only just before he gets hurt, but before everybody realizes he's not good. That's the other yeah. thing you want. You so want, why are they pairing to... him with David Savard right now? <laughs> you gotta it's... lock it down. Oh, you gotta lock it down. You're gonna be hard to get. You're gonna make it really uh... tough to get to the net. Uh, okay, man. Sure. It's so ugly the two of them together. Like they're decreasing. It's almost. I, I feel like like pairing it with David Savard and and nothing against the dude. Like he's trying his best. Everyone on the team is, in spite of what's going on. But I was explaining this to Andrew earlier. There's been so many times tonight, so many times throughout this season for the Montreal Canadiens where you see a goal allowed and you, the two guys you see on the ice are Ben Sherratt and David Savard. Like, I feel like just him, be, him being with David Savard should decrease his trade value. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I thought, honestly, like, Sherratt got lucky that, I mean, I guess the Canadians got lucky that Sherratt had that hot shooting streak to start the year. So it kind of like elevated his value a little bit. But my thing was heading into the season, they should have sold him in the summer before people realized that Weber was carrying him so hard. Because it's been obvious. I mean, he got to play with Petrie at the beginning of the year. And even though Petrie was playing terrible from like an offensive standpoint, like the numbers under the hood were still solid for Sherratt. And then Petrie got hurt. And it's just been crazy downhill tonight in the Savard Sharat pairing. 20% on the Corsi. Minus that's 27 no bueno. relative. Yeah. That's, that's no bueno. That's not gonna that's not gonna do it, folks. No. But you know who first round pick anyway? though. Kenny Holland. Yo, everyone is projected that Kenny Holland is still gonna do something stupid by this deadline, man. But hey, he maybe to. if he maybe if he signs a Vander Kane, he won't have to give up his draft picks to do that stupid move. He might he might do something stupid. You know what I do think he is gonna do though, and I've been putting this out there all over the place. He's gonna trade for Marc Andre Fleury, and I feel like that actually would be a really solid. Does Fleury not have a no move clause anymore? Because why would think he, he does. go to Edmonton? Well, I <laughs> why would mean, he do that? Better than playing not in the playoffs for Chicago. You get to be with, like, play with McDavid. There's, like, something there. Also, I don't, I don't think he's I, moved his family, has he? So I don't know. Yeah. The, well, because for if it's me, I'm like, you know, it would be nice. I'm Mark andre Fleury. I'm, like, 39 years old or whatever. Uh, a, a nice summer off. Head, head down, head down. You think to the he Caribbean. thinks like that, though? No, I, of course not. But. I feel like he would have done that once he got traded to Chicago. Also, uh, Cap Friendly says 
he has a modified no trade clause where he's able to submit a 10 team no trade list. <laughs> Avery joined the show and says, Julian, uh, stop speaking that into existence. Speaking what into existence? I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. I was I was editing a story from uh, Tariq El Bashir, who covers the Washington Capitals out in uh, for the Athletic, and uh, like they also the Capitals. There's there's been talk about whether or not they could be interested in Marc Andre Fleury, but another name that got thrown out there, and I'm wondering if maybe the Oilers might look into them as well. Jonathan Quick, it's a guy who knows a thing or two about playing in the playoffs. Didn't All he of, let in like you know, six goals on 12 shots the other night? Five of them well, on Timo Meyer. He knows what to do in the playoffs. <laughs> well, look, hey, you know, if, if we're going by that, now all of a sudden Tuka Rask doesn't have any because he got pulled tonight. He got friggin' shelled by Carolina. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was a rough game. Jeff Gordon was... got Tuka Rask, by the way. He, he was interim GM for the Bruins when they had made the trade for yeah, Tuka Rask. That's right. That was like yeah. the, the interim GM part bit for Jeff Gordon. That is one of the best short runs for GM has ever. Had. Oh my god! Yeah, he was he was in the job for like three weeks. He's like, what if I built the entire uh, Stanley Cup? Boston, yeah, seriously, it's built the Boston Bruins. Okay, so for last Andrew topic. Raycroft. Yeah, no, no kidding. My god. Yeah, he also got a first round pick out of that deal, but we don't. Oh have my to. god, the Leafs, the Leafs of. Of old. I mean, they're still basically the same. <laughs> they just look better. <laughs> Last topic of the night, the Druan cross check. I feel like this is a fairly easy one. Uh, they got the call completely right. Three games yeah. minimum. That was an insane. It, you know what? It was because because here's the thing. It wasn't the initial cross check off. The, it was the, the, push the down. one one he's on his, uh, when he's like oh, on top of him and he cross checks him in the head and his helmet comes off. That to yeah. me is like, oh, he totally meant to do that. And like it was, you know, that extra step of like premeditation or whatever that uh, that player safety, even this player safety department is like, come on, you can't you don't. But is there that much of a difference between that and what Tom Wilson did to Panarin last year? Yes, where that was a cross check into the back of the head into the ice as well. Yeah, the, the, they would say, yes, it was. Once. Yeah, for sure. I now look. I'm mildly surprised if they hates Tom Wilson more than I do. Yeah, uh, I hate him. So <laughs> I think he sucks. I'll be mildly surprised if Duran gets suspended, not because he doesn't deserve to, but just because NHL players safe. Throw a dart at the board. Like who knows? What the hell he can't get do. nothing. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, a game yeah, I don't know. Conduct, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I, the refs I, it, did everything correctly bad. in that instance. That's that's what my takeaway. Yeah, well, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the refs in that game, they weren't bad. They had that call to deal with. They had like two instances where uh, a Canadian's goal could have been disallowed. They got those right. Like that's the yeah, refs. They tried I mean, to calm things down when it got out of control. Didn't yeah, work at that, all, but they tried. Yeah, they, they tried. <laughs> Yeah, that's his. That's they did what they good, could. That's that's not a bad night from the stripes. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Credit where it's due. All right, uh, one last question. Somebody says, "What about Jake Allen for Edmonton?" I feel like that would work if he could stay. If he stays healthy, uh, yeah. he fits into their cap situation. I think the Canadians should trade Jake Allen. Sure, I think they could get a decent return for him. But 
I don't know. I, I think that Jake Allen would be a backup plan for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I yeah, you can't you can't be like, okay, folks, get ready. Help is on the way. It's freaking Jake <laughs> Allen. Everybody's like, wait a second. Uh, people are like say better than Mike Smith. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, low people bar. outside the Edmonton media, maybe the Edmonton yeah, media. They, those, those guys love Mike Smith. Oh, let me yeah, let me yeah, ask yeah. you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think this was the last uh, Rick Bonus game as coach of the Dallas Stars? I that, I, I tell you so. what, lose. I don't know, but like losing to the Canadians the way that they did, like that's if I'm Jim Nil, like I I have questions. Like that's that's not good. But you, like you his should, team, I thought about that too. I was like, I don't know about that. His team played pretty well awful. though. To be fair, they played the Montreal Canadiens. This is not, also true. This is also let's, true. They did. Let's not get too hyped up on how how well they played. Again, they put up 110 shot attempts. Uh, that's, that's that's insane. a whole lot. Um, but like they're they're almost guaranteed to miss the playoffs. They need to play at a. Let's see here. I have it in front of me. They need to play at like a hundred point pace the rest of the season to make the playoffs. These guys can't win more than four games in a row without losing six games in a row. Yeah. Um, There's not a a great team. No. There's like too many guys who are on the wrong side of 30 signed for a lot of money. Yep. Yep. Uh, But speaking of paces before tonight's game, do you know what the pace the Montreal Canadiens had to play at? to make it to the likely playoff cut line of 107 points in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I knew that they were on pace for 15 wins, so I'm assuming it's a lot. So I do this every, like, 10 games or so. I I look at this. Uh, They, the rest of the season, they need to play it, or not including tonight, so the numbers change a little bit. They need to play Mm -hmm. it at pace for... 157 points over an 82 game season. They essentially I don't think need to run. They need to. They would need to run the table. And I who knows how I much. No, I, I, I think. I think mathematically they can't. They couldn't get. They they would need to play at a pace for 150 points. No, you're right because there's there's 164 available points. They can drop like maybe three more points the rest of the season, and then it's over. Run the, if you're a, if you're a Canadian player in the locker room, you see and hear those odds. Just be like, we're running the table. We're doing it. Run the table the rest of the season. <laughs> it started we're tonight. The, it started tonight. The they're, off, they're off and running. Undefeated in the Kent Hughes era. Undefeated yeah. in the Kent Hughes era. That's, that's all they needed. That's the motto the rest of the season. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, it's too insane. No. Too insane. No, Again, that's to get to the potential playoff cut line. Oh, imagine Maybe. doing that and you that's lose. To- by like a tiebreaker <laughs> and just finish <laughs> that would fu- no. that would be the that fucking the coolest thing that ever happened i'm sorry that would be the that would be the greatest thing that happened in the history of sports of a team's like we're gonna rip off 46 games in a row we're not gonna lose one of them whoa that's crazy did you make the playoffs well you know what no <laughs> about that yeah Came down to a tiebreaker where we had to play against, like, well, I don't know, uh, what's some team that's also doing bad. You had to play the Ottawa, Ottawa. Senators. Yeah. And literally what had to happen is we just had to go to overtime and just get the point and get in. But we called a timeout with, like, a minute left. 
and then the Senators scored to win the game. That's essentially what like like what happened to the Oilers on Saturday night. Like just completely oh, shit just yourselves in the late third period. Or what happened to the Oilers every game of the playoffs last year, where they're like, "We're in control, we're in control." It's the Jets. Nope. They're not even good. Oh, we're gonna give up three goals in the third period out of nowhere. Go Koskinen and Nowers, folks. Yeah, here we go. Um, yeah. Didn't that Church. almost happen to the Senators a couple years ago with the Hamburglar run where they won like yeah. 20 of 25 games or something like that to something end the like year? That, yeah. And they just barely made it in. And then the Canadians stomped them in the playoffs. Yeah. And Curtis Lazar ate a hamburger off the ice. That was a fantastic moment. The, the Senators have had some fun moments despite them being a largely terrible team that have wasted the primes of some amazing players. Very familiar for. Canadians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you because you got you gotta you gotta have way, find ways to have fun when you're uh, the worst team in or the worst organization in the league. You think Ottawa is the worst? Absolutely. Who's wow. worse? Worse than Edmonton? Yeah, Edmonton like made the playoffs on purpose a few times. I mean, they had McDavid, right? Which. Makes them better than Ottawa because Ottawa doesn't have Connor McDavid. But I mean, everything right? good that Edmonton has accomplished has mostly been due to like draft lottery luck. Mm-hmm. And yet, it still happened. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. have the new I mean, arena. The, their owner isn't constantly threatening vaguely to move the team. That's true. Although, Calgary, know. though, Ooh. hey. Nobody said anything. The the obviously the other one, uh, the other contender for worst organization is Arizona. Uh, they don't have a rink for next season. I mean, that, they don't have that strikes like me as ten dollars. No, 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 no. They were they've been, I'll tell you what, but the Senators though in the last five six years they've been to the conference finals more than the Edmonton Oilers have. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? They're within an OT from going to a final. Oh, if I fucking hear about that again. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Let me get Ryan going again. Oh, my God. They they almost did it. They almost did it and and then uh, got their throat slit instead. They fucking got destroyed. (laughs) And even if they had made the final, you ever see the movie Independence Day? That's what would have happened to them. <laughs> oh, so, my God. Can you imagine how many players on the San Jose Sharks wish that they would have scored in that overtime? Sure. Instead of facing the Penguins in the final that year? Oh, my God. Have walked over them. It would have been a bloodbath. But let's leave it at this. Tonight, it was a matchup of two teams that fraudulently went to a Stanley Cup final and got smoked by the Tampa Bay Lightning. You guys, the Montreal Canadiens, this is your first game since since those two two Cup finals against the Stars. This is your first game. You now are the, like, backup Stanley Cup champions of (laughs) fake Cup finals. You did it. The backup Stanley Cup COVID champion thing. And and those two teams had Corey Perry get oh so close. That's right. Winning that cup. And Corey Perry said, you know what? I'm tired of losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me just go there. And I can't lose to them them. now. I can't lose to them. Someone said it was Nashville in the final that year, not San Jose. I mean, yeah, okay. Same thing. Nashville would have walked over over those fellas. Yeah. Frankly, Nashville outplayed. That's right. PK would have won. If PK Subban would have won it, you know how people would have reacted here. And PK is a senator's killer, too, or at least he was when mm-hmm. uh, he was in his prime. 
And frankly, Nashville outplayed the Penguins in that series too. It was just that Peck Arena was awful. Yeah. Yep. That's Biggest true. arc from great to bad in one playoffs for a goaltender who made the Stanley Cup finals that I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, let's leave it there because I've taken up a lot of your guys' night and it's late. Awesome time hanging out with you both. Uh, before we close it off, first Ryan and then Julian, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me. Uh, we mentioned it off the top here. EPRinkside.com. Um, if you sign up for a one-year subscription, an annual subscription, uh, and use the code I love EP, all one word, you get, uh, I believe, three extra months tacked on at the end of that uh, 12 months. So it's 15 total. 15 total months. Uh, mm. What a bargain, many are saying. Um, and then also, of course, the Puck Soup podcast we're recording tomorrow. And I sent uh, Sean uh, McIndoo from The Athletic uh, our outline, and I just wrote Oilers at the top of it. So it should be a fun <laughs> one. You're just riffing. Yeah, we're going. We're going to call somebody pissy. It's going to be great. <laughs> Julian? I can't wait to hear that one. Um, so, uh, all right, let me take the deep breath. <sighs> Check me out at The Athletic. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic because that's where all the great content comes from. Uh, brand new episode of the Chris Johnston Show coming out on Thursday. Gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about then. Brand new episode of Zone Time with Yahoo Sports should be coming out tomorrow. Gee, I wonder what we're going to be talking about. What happened over the last 24 hours, I suppose. Uh, as Andrew mentioned partway through the show, he will be uh, once again on Hockey Inside Out. Uh, the show, uh, the Montreal Canadiens show on the Montreal, on the Montreal Gazette. A lot of Montreal mentioned in the last few moments there. Uh, he'll be on that show for this week uh, with Rick Green and Stu Cowan. And I think that's it. Perfect. I didn't Thanks, know. guys. I think I got everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, like, I, like I've been saying at the end of every show here, everyone who's tuning in to this show while dealing with this shit show of a team, I love you. Seriously, sickos. <laughs> absolute sickos. We'll steal from the Sanders. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you on Thursday for a late.